Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. And here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, in the New King James, it reads this way, And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everyone say wait but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So apparently he has told these disciples about this promise of the Father. He has spoken of this to them before. This is not the first time they're hearing of this promise. This is not the first time he's engaging in this conversation. He's not, you know, on his way out and saying, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention to you, there's a Holy Spirit and he wants to come in you and come upon you. And uh, so go to Jerusalem and hang out and wait until he comes. He's reminding them. He's reminding them here. You have heard from me, verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what's he saying? You, you have entrance into the kingdom through salvation, but we're not done yet. It's kind of like one of those infomercials, but wait, there's more, there's more that God wants for you. If you've been with us for any length of time, you know that salvation, although it is extremely important, there is nothing else to receive from the kingdom of God beyond confessing and making Jesus not just your savior, but your Lord. There's a difference. Salvation is what Jesus did. That's what he did for you. But Lord is who he is. You need to make Jesus Lord. What does that mean, Pastor Mark? That simply means that I give him free reign, full control, reign over my life. You are the Lord of my life. So now you tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. You tell me what to say. And everything I have belongs to you. When you truly enter lordship, you own nothing. That's, that's, you can tell if, if, Jesus is Lord in your life by the level of ownership you feel you have to have as a believer. If you own anything, he has not been fully made Lord of your life. But when he's Lord, man, he owns my finances. He owns my relationships. He owns my stuff. He owns my car. He owns my house. It belongs to him. And he will make sure you are taken care of in the process. You will not lack. God never asked you to give up anything to decrease you. He always asked for something from you to increase you. And I can tell you right now, God can do more with your giving than you can with your keeping. God can do more with a life of generosity and a life that says you are Lord. So whatever you want me to do with this, Whatever you would have me do. The, the life of the believer is, is not uh, 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 familiar, is not usual. If you really want to get down to it. I know, you know, especially in our day and age, we look for comfort and we look for convenience at every turn and we pay a lot for it. Comfort and convenience is one of the largest industries in the world today. We'll do anything, give up anything, pay almost anything to be comfortable and convenienced in our lives. But Jesus promised the opposite of that. Jesus didn't promise comfort and convenience but he promised that you would have life and life more abundantly. He promised that you would have a life fulfilling. He promised you that you would, uh, that his plans for you are for good and not for evil, to prosper you, to see you increase, to see you overcome. And that's the message we preach. But increasing in comfortability can be two different things. Because the way God increases us many times is through decreasing is through eliminating, is through cutting off, is through a life of inconvenience. And Jesus did not find people uh, to bring alongside him and promise them convenience. In fact, he promised them inconvenience. He said, this will be the most inconvenient thing. You meeting me, 
You walking with me will be the most uncomfortable thing you've ever engaged with in your life. Are you up for the challenge? Will you take up your cross and follow me? So salvation is is not just merely getting into heaven. Salvation is access to the kingdom of God. And a kingdom is ruled by a king and a king has laws, which is the way of doing things. And God is not devoid of laws. God is not devoid. Jesus did not come to do away with the law. The Bible says Jesus came to fulfill the law. Two different things. He came to complete the requirements of the law in you because you on your own could never do it. So Jesus said, I'm going to help you fulfill the law, obey the law, keep the law. And now you in turn honor my word. And Jesus, as Lord, will never tell you to do anything that doesn't honor his word. Jesus will never contradict himself. Jesus will never tell you to do something. You can't tell me Jesus told you to do something if you cannot find a foundation for it in the word of God. If the word is not your foundation, then Jesus is not your Lord. If the word is not your foundation, Jesus is not your Lord. I've had people try to tell me that God doesn't require them to tithe. So he's contradicting his word now? The very one, Jesus, the word in the flesh who dwelt among us, became one of us, is not going to honor what was here? He's going to go back on it? I've heard people say Jesus told them that they don't have to attend or find a local body church. That's un, that's, that is not the word of God. You cannot find the foundation for it here. Therefore, you cannot give me a word from God that doesn't align with the word of God, the word of God. Amen. So we've got to make the word the foundation. Well, Jesus is speaking and he says, John truly baptized with water. That's the entrance of salvation. You become, uh, you, you, you confess Jesus as Lord, confess him as savior. You acknowledge that he died and rose again. You make him Lord of your life. Then you go and participate in the act of being water baptized. The water of baptism is not the action that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. But now you're proclaiming visibly and outwardly that I have been laid Uh, uh, put to death with Christ, and now I'm coming out of the water, a new person, a new being, something that's never existed before. All things are made new. My past is gone. My future's ahead of me. I'm walking into what God has for me. But now there's another action Jesus is talking about. You've been baptized with water. John preached that. But now you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? So his disciples are still thinking naturally. And Jesus is trying to help them understand something spiritually. So they're running right back to, because they have not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit, are still trying to think of what Jesus is going to do in the natural. Hey, is this now, when you know, this kingdom you've been preaching about for the last three and a half years, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In essence, what they're asking is, is this the time that you're going to overthrow the Roman government and we're going to have our liberties back, our freedoms back, our nation and our people back? Because they were still operating under Roman oppression. This nation, these Jews, still operating under the Roman oppression. And so they're thinking naturally that there's a natural kingdom, a natural government that's coming down and that's going to overthrow the Romans and we're going to have our liberties back. And so he goes on to say, he said to them in verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So that's not what I want you to focus on, but this is what I want you to focus on, verse eight. But you shall receive power. So they were asking, is this the time where that power, that authority over us is gonna be lifted off? And he says, I've got a power you haven't even tapped into yet. I've got an authority that you don't even know about yet. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. He says, but you shall receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I like the way the Amplified reads verse 8 here. It says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of of the earth. The first thing he addresses here with the Holy Spirit coming upon them is that the Holy Spirit is going to empower them to do kingdom work. This is the key. It is most dangerous to try to perform spiritual responsibilities with natural resources. It's dangerous to try to perform uh, uh, spiritual responsibilities with limited, natural, physical resources. And so Jesus is identifying the mission I'm sending you on and what I'm calling to you to as a believer is gonna demand some spiritual assistance. I like to put it this way. A spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. A spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. I don't know how many times I meet believers, I meet Christians, I meet good people, church people, go to church, read their Bible, but a a sense of overwhelmingness comes to us all. A sense of ineptness, a sense of uh, inability, insufficiency, uh, lack comes to all of us. No matter what you do at some point in your life as you follow Christ and as you are walking in the will and the purposes he has for you, you at some point will find that yourself, your abilities will only go so far. If you haven't reached that level, you're not doing enough. If your financial limitations takes care of you, you're not doing what God's called you to do. If your natural abilities and, man, I feel comfortable with this and I'm good with that, then you haven't gotten out to where God wants you to walk and where God wants you to live because he's gonna call you out on the water. He's gonna call you beyond what you think is possible. He's gonna call you beyond what you could think of, ask of, dream of, because that's the way God operates. God is a God of faith. Faith means you believe in what you cannot see. So if you're living within what you can see, then you haven't even gotten where God wants you to be yet. And that's good news because you got it. Now you're going to tap into something that's bigger than you, greater than you, stronger than you, mightier than you. But here's the thing. It's dangerous to try to tap into what God's calling you to do in your own ability. But we all, that's the first place we go. I don't know how many times I've told God in the last nine years, I can't do this. I don't know how many times I've informed God, you've got the wrong guy. I don't know how many times I've informed God, uh, you blew it when you picked me. I know you've been doing this for a long time and I know you've been calling some crazy people. You've called murderers to start churches. You've called liars to be in the pulpit. You, you've, you've called, uh, 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 you, you know, men that have problems with lust to be kings over Israel. I understand that you've called, but you, you really missed it when you called me. Out of my stuff, out of my uh, abilities, out of my background, out of my past, out of my schooling. I don't know how many times I've had that. Anybody else have that conversation with God? Anybody else told God you blew it? Isn't that an interesting conversation? Creation telling the creator, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but yet I, we, we do it. We do it. I've done it. Yeah. Because within my own natural ability, I can't. And so there's a reason why Jesus uses the word wait. Wait, he says. Terry, hold on a minute. 
You, you think the first thing God wants to do after Jesus ascends to heaven is start sending all these people out into the mission field. Start sending all these people out into the world. So, man, start telling them about me. Start telling them about what you saw me do. Start telling them about the works I did. Start telling them about the cross. Start, start telling them about that, 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 that I, you saw me die. You saw me murdered on a cross. You saw me beaten beyond recognition. You saw all this, but now you're here talking with me and now you're watching me ascend and go out. But the first thing he tells them to do is wait. Don't do it. Because apparently I need something else. Apparently I need more. Apparently, the assignment on my life is greater than just what I can produce or what I can do or what I can impact on my own. I need some assistance. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you need some assistance. Come on, tell him, you need assistance. You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to carry this with you. So first off, we see salvation, entrance into the kingdom, not enough. Jesus is not interested in just getting you in the kingdom. He's interested in getting the kingdom in you. There's a difference. In fact, Jesus even told uh, Pharisees and Sadducees when he was on the earth, and they're saying, show us this kingdom. Where is this kingdom? And he says, uh, it's not here or there, for the kingdom of God is within you. So unless it comes through you, it doesn't get into the world. You are the avenue. You are the channel. You are the access point that God has chosen. He could have put his kingdom in mountains. He could have put a kingdom in planets. He could have put his kingdom in stars. He could have put kingdoms in rivers and valleys and oceans. And he chose to put his kingdom in messed up, broken, distraught people like me and you that can blow it at any instance. And he said, that's my vessel. That's who I'm choosing. I'm using you. Now get my assistance. Get my help with this mission. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some assistance. So he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's three things I want you to recognize about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the person and the power by which assistance comes. The Holy Spirit is the person and the power by which assistance comes. The Holy Spirit is the person and the power by which assistance comes. The Holy Spirit has had to take a back seat. I heard one person say one time that the book of Acts was really 80% the Holy Spirit and 20% what man could do. And now I think we've flopped that and it's a lot of what we do 80% what we do. Really, the Holy Spirit doesn't get invited to a lot of what we do. Even me just mentioning those three words, even in a church, for some people, you might be having all kinds of thoughts and ideas. Because this is what the enemy does. The enemy works in your life through perception. The enemy works in our lives through perception. And what we perceive is actually greater than reality because even though it's right in front of me, I can miss it based upon a perception, based upon how I see it. Perception doesn't mean it's reality. And so some of us in this room, whatever background, whatever church history, whatever denomination, the easiest ones I've ever had uh, you know, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit are unbelievers. Why? Because they don't have any thinking that I have to tear down before I build it back up. Children receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit like that. Because I don't have to tear down stuff to see them walk in something that God promised them. He calls them the promise of the Father. 
I heard one time somebody explain this to me, and I just thought it was incredible. He says, if you read the Bible, let, let's imagine, imagine right now, you showed up on an island. You woke up one day, you were the, 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 the first initial creation. I'm talking, you've never existed before. You just show up, you're on an island, nobody around you. You're living on this island by yourself. You've never had contact with anybody in your life. And one day a Bible floats in and you begin to read that Bible. Somebody that was reading the Bible from scratch and did not have any perceptions or misconceptions or ideologies or whatever, denominational stuff, they would read this book and find out, I have to have the Holy Spirit in my life. And there's nothing in here that tells us that the Holy Spirit has gone away. There's nothing in here that even infers that the Holy Spirit and his work and the way that he operated in the New Testament is done away with. That's a man idea. That's called a perception. That's called a lens. And the lens is greater than reality. These lenses are actually greater than what's right in front of me because the lens is what shapes what I literally see. So if I put on the wrong lens, guess what? It's going to damage what I see. And I'll treat what I see as reality, even though it's not really there. So there's all kinds of lenses that we have added to our life over time. There's all kinds of ways that we learn to see things and perceive things and understand things. And, and what I do not understand, I cannot apply. My perception's connected to my understanding because how I perceive it now becomes how I understand it and how I understand it is how I apply it. I cannot apply it properly if I don't understand it properly. So all these things are connected. And I just say that because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not merely a power, is not merely a presence, is not merely, uh, 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 you know, in demonstration. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is God in the Spirit. He is God. In fact, I would even say this to you, that the Holy Spirit of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the most vital to the believer today. God the Father is where? In heaven. It's not a trick question. It's in heaven. Jesus the Son is where? In heaven. At the right hand of the Father. Both of them are in heaven. The Holy Spirit is where? Here in the earth and dwells within believers. So the most important one would be the one that is nearest us now. I, I, I mean, I'm just using just normal thinking. If I had to, of the three, say, which one do I want to get to know the most? It would be the Holy Spirit because he's indwelling within me. Jesus said that he would speak the things that God has said. I don't even need to go to God the Father. I can go to the Spirit and say, what's God saying? And he will speak to me and confirm things within me and he will share things. He will reveal things to me and he will help me see things that I cannot see just in the natural alone. So let's build a foundation. I'm going to go through these verses pretty quick. Is it okay if I teach a little bit this morning? I'm going to go through these verses a little quick. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. I don't know about you. I, I, I'm, 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 you know. I'm, I'm bad about turning away help. I am. Just naturally. I, no, I, I got it, man. No, I don't want to inconvenience you. No, hey, don't, you don't need to come all the way over here. 
I'll break my back before I have someone help me. You ever gotten to a place where you just say, I need help. Somebody help me. He's our helper. Don't turn away the help. Don't push away the help. And apparently, Jesus saw ahead of time, you're going to need some help. You don't got this. You, you don't got it. You, you don't got it, Pastor Mark. You can't do it on you. can't do that by yourself. You're going to need some help. And thank God for the natural help we can have. But I tell you, there's a helper that goes beyond any natural help, any loan, any mortgage, anybody, any word of encouragement. There is some help you're going to need. I need some spiritual help for a spiritual need. And I will pray the Father. You think Jesus, you think God answers Jesus' prayers? He says, I'll pray. I'll communicate. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you for how long? For how long? For a- forever. The sandlot. Forever. He will abide with you forever. There's no expiration date on the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. So apparently, I need to know the difference between a lie and truth. I need someone living within me and coming upon me that can help me discern between false and true. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For, look at this, he dwells with you and will be in you. Not, not frequently visit you, stay with you. He will dwell with you, live with you, abide with you, stay with you, and will be in you. Further on down, John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So he says, I've been here with you right now. I'm here physically, tangibly with you. I'm the son of God in the flesh with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So, so far I've learned that he is going to help me. Now I recognize he's going to teach me. Apparently I need to be taught some things. That means I need to be teachable. When the Holy Spirit speaks up, you don't ever want to say, I I, I know, I got that which is what most of us do. Oh, I've heard it before. No, I need to be teachable. Um, And it says that he will help us remember things that Jesus said. What's that? The word. He will help me remember this. Now, that means he will help you remember it. He can't help you remember something that you've never put in there in the first place. Anybody with me? Y'all know where I'm going. Y'all trying to recite verses and pull up verses you ain't ever looked at in your life. You're trying to bring stuff up in the middle of a fight that you've never studied and gotten in front of, and then the Holy Spirit has something, and and you're saying, Holy Spirit, help me remember. Help me. I can't. You never put it in there in the first place. Remember again. You got to hear it again. I'll bring it back up if you'll get it in there the first time. So I still got to be a studier of the word. I still got to study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that cannot be ashamed. And then the Holy Spirit will come and he will bring to my remembrance. John 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, third time he's called him helper, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That means him and I are gonna be in agreement. Him and I, we're together in this thing. Him and I, we've got this thing together. We're working together. So y'all with me? We need the helper. We need the assistance of the Holy Spirit, the person and the power. And I like this one, John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 7. John 16 
verse seven. How important is the Holy Spirit? He says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now that's pretty crazy that Jesus himself in the flesh would say to his disciples, it's actually better for you if I'm not here. Wow. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, always thinking, man, you know, we had, I'm pretty sure the the WWJD bracelets came out when I was, you know, probably in late elementary, middle school. Uh, Remember the WW, what would Jesus do? Man, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he was here? Oh, man, if Jesus was here, he'd be healing people. Oh, man, if Jesus was here, he'd be preaching. Oh, man, if Jesus was here. And Jesus is actually saying, ah, it's actually better if I'm not. You're better off without me. He goes on to say, because if I don't go to the Father, I can't send the helper. Now, you got an option. Jesus can be here and you can sit around and watch him do everything. Or Jesus can go send the Holy Spirit to you and you become empowered to do the same thing he did because John chapter uh, 14 verse 12 says, these things that I do, you will do and even greater works. You know how many Christian religious people, you know how many Pharisees and Sadducees that jacks up? You know how many people don't wanna hear, I can do the same works Jesus did. You know how many people wanna live their measly, simple, lame little life walking around thinking, oh, if Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come heal me. Jesus, come set me free. Oh, Jesus, oh, gee, oh, one day we'll all go to heaven. One day we'll all, but I, I, while I'm down here, just suffering for Jesus. Sad. When Jesus said, you will do the same works and even greater. Now what gets greater than raising the dead? Raising 10 of them. Not greater in power greater in number. See, Jesus saw a multiplication taking place. If the wheat doesn't fall to the ground and die. So Jesus, a son, sowed his life into the ground. Well, when you sow a son, what do you get back? A bunch of sons and daughters. And now you and I, just as he was, so are you. So are you in this world. Well, Pastor Mark, that's just hard to believe. Then we probably need to have a Holy Spirit conversation. Most of our conversations with ability and capability is really a Holy Spirit conversation. Now, I know that we need to become proficient and we need to be competent at what we do. And if God lays something on your heart, you need to do everything naturally you can do. You don't sit on the couch and just say, well, if the Lord wants me to start that business, they'll, they'll come to me. The Lord wants me to have this family and she'll meet me. It don't work that way. No, you pick up your trash. You learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to be a man of God. And then God will send a woman of God to the man of God and they'll become a family of God and they'll do great things for God. Clean your car. God's been trying to bring you the one, and your car looks like trash. You got Wendy's and MacD's boxes everywhere wondering, where's my woman at? Straighten up your life, man. God. Hello. But I didn't have a dad, so how can I be a husband? I, I never had that exemplified, the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to take over in what you cannot do. You do what you can. You do what you should. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll pick up the slack because nobody can do it all. We're all deficient by design. We need each other, but we need the Holy Spirit. And a lot of our ability conversations, a lot of the reasons why we don't step out in faith and do the things we do, because we are not relying on the Holy Spirit, dependent on the Holy Spirit. People in the Bible said, I will go nowhere without your spirit. Do not send me there if your spirit doesn't go with me. I can even go into hell as long as your spirit's with me. 
But if I don't have your spirit, the Holy Spirit. So he's the person and the power. Number two, we recognize this, the Holy Spirit's power must be received. The Holy Spirit's power must be received. A lot of people get freaked out when we talk about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit because, well, I mean, we're using words ghost and spirit. But if there are good spirits, there's bad spirits. I'm not getting all into into that mess today. But there is a holy spirit, so there must be an unholy spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit. Now, the enemy will work to control and force you to do things. And the more and more you yield to what he wants you to do, the easier and easier it becomes. The Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit does not possess people. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you do weird things. If you're doing weird things, it's because you chose to do weird things. Well, I just started dancing. I couldn't stop dancing. Yeah, you could. Because the Holy Spirit I know doesn't just take over your body and your muscles and your ligaments and your thoughts and your voice and I just can't, I just can't stop. I can't, I can't stop. Now, there are natural things that will occur when the power of God shows up one of them's going to give. When, the, super and, when the, the natural and the supernatural come together, one of them's going to give. But that doesn't mean that you are forced to do anything. That means you're yielding yourself to the power of God and you're yielding yourself to the presence of God. So the presence of God may make you laugh. And it might feel like an uncontrollable, laugh, uncontrollable laughter. I give the presence of God may make you cry. I just can't stop just weeping. I'm just weeping. Okay, so there's a difference. You know, you've seen people be prayed for, hands laid on them. You've seen people fall out. Look, whether they fall down or not means nothing. Many times the ones that fell got nothing and the ones that stayed up standing got something. But it can easily just be the reverse. You can't even find a record of anybody in the Bible falling except for unbelievers. Let me just put that out there. I'm not saying it's wrong. If you fall down because the power of God comes on your body and and, and it's just too difficult to stand because there is a glory of the Lord, sometimes so evident, it looks like a cloud filled the temple and they couldn't even go in. But whether you fall or don't fall doesn't mean you got or didn't get something. You know, I grew up where, where preachers would try to knock you over because they thought, I need, to, I need to keep up my reputation now. I need people, you might not have gotten anything, but I need everybody in here to think you got something. I need them to come back tomorrow night so I can sell my water from Israel. And hey, we joke about it, but I'm dead serious. That stuff was going on. When evangelists found out about TV, it was over. But I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the power of God that we all need. We all need assistance. The spiritual assignment demands spiritual assistance. So the Holy Spirit has to be received. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. I think I just quoted this a little bit earlier, but John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him what? Come to me and drink. Does not say if you're thirsty, I will come to you and I will shove it down your throat and I'll make you drink it. No, come to me, yield to me. I know I've I've prayed with people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and obviously 
the evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in an unknown tongue, speaking in a heavenly language, speaking uh, in a, a, a heavenly language, praying in the Spirit as the Word of God calls it, praying in other tongues. I don't know how many times they think that the Holy Spirit's just gonna take their tongue and start flapping it up down and making all kinds of weird noise. It's not gonna do that. And we'll look at that in just a moment. Holy Spirit doesn't take over your vocal cords and start moving them around. You move them. So you can start praying in tongues whenever you want. You can stop praying in tongues whenever you want. Yeah. Now, the language isn't my language. It's not what I comprehend. It's not what I understand. It's why it's a heavenly language. That's the Holy Spirit praying through me and with me. The Holy Spirit always demands your yielding. Always. Always. If you don't yield, he won't work through you. I heard someone say this past week, God will never force you to do it. If you don't want to do it, he'll find someone else. That's fine. You just sit there. He'll find somebody else. God won't force you to do a thing. He won't force you to believe something. He won't force you to think something. He won't force you to do something. He won't force you to say something. We, this is a life together with Christ. We are raised together with him. Not him taking over our life and doing whatever he wants to do. We have to yield to that. There's two sides. He's a helper. You ever ask somebody to come over and help you move furniture and then you go in the kitchen and make a sandwich while they move it? No, that's not a helper. That's a moving company. And you pay them for their service. Glad I can help you move. No, they're like, where's my money? No, but a helper means I'm working alongside. I'm working with you. So I'm putting in some effort. You're putting in some effort. Your effort's a lot more effort than I could put in, but I've got to do 100% my part, and then you'll do 100% your part. And the thing is, is the job doesn't get done unless I'm putting forth my effort. I'm not sitting around watching the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do through me and with me. No, I got to yield to that. I got to be a part of that. And number three, number three, when you are filled with the Spirit, there will be evidence. When you are filled with the Spirit, there will be evidence. Anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? That's just evidence. It's evidence. Fruit tells me what kind of tree this is. I don't know what kind of tree it is unless the fruit is bearing And you can't tell me it's an orange tree if there's apples on it. The fruit identifies what it is. And so when we come into the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives within us. His spirit comes and resides in us. Because when I'm transferred out of the darkness into the light, I only know darkness. I only know darkness. I only know hate. I only know greed. I only know discontent. I only know fear and anxiety. I only know how to do things the way the enemy wants to do them. When I come into light, when I come into the kingdom, now I've got to learn how to do things the way of the kingdom. If you move here from another country, if you move here from Europe, You've got to learn how to do things here in the United States. We drive different. We drive on a different side of the road. We talk different. We wake up different. We go to bed different. We work different. We use different words that mean different things. Because holidays here don't mean holidays in England. You've got to learn different stuff. When you come out of a kingdom of darkness and you come into a kingdom of light, now I've got to learn how to do things according to the new kingdom. The old kingdom, I would have punched you in the face. 
the new kingdom, I punch you in the face and then I pray for you. I'm just, I'm playing. I'm just playing. You don't punch them in the face. I'm just, let's, let's clear that up. Testing out to see how well other people are at turning the other cheek. No, you turn the other cheek. Yeah. In the new kingdom, we don't judge. I don't mean to judge. You know what follows that statement is the most judgmental thing that they can think of. I don't mean to judge, but let me... Okay. We do things different in the new kingdom. So the fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all that is is the character of the new kingdom. You did the opposite under the different rule. Now you're under new rule. You're in a new territory. You're one with Christ. But I don't automatically start loving people. I don't automatically start walking in love and joy and peace and patience. I have to allow those fruit doesn't go, uh, come out because you put a seed in the ground. There's things you got to do to it. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you at salvation. But now we're talking about a subsequent act. We're talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon me. There's a Holy Spirit within me, but now I need a Holy Spirit upon me. And even though they had received the Spirit within them, Jesus still said, wait. And let me just even wind you back a little bit further. Jesus didn't do ministry without receiving the Holy Spirit. If Jesus didn't do ministry without it, why do you think you can? I don't even want to try. If he says I need it, I must need it. If he says I need a helper four times, okay, I get the picture. I'm not good enough on my own. I need some help here. Where's this helper? That's the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say ministry, most people think of what I'm doing right now. But every person in this room is in ministry. The word ministry literally means service or to serve or to wait on, as in waiting on someone in a restaurant, serving people. If you serve people, you're ministering to people. And every single one of us, you're either serving a wife, you're serving a husband, you're serving children, you're, you're serving an employer or employees, you're serving a community, you're serving a church, you're serving a pastor, you're serving somebody. If you're not serving somebody, you've got it all wrong. God didn't save you to sit, he saved you to serve. Service is just a part of the kingdom. The kingdom is driven by service. And that's why Jesus said, you know, in, in the world, the kingdom is, is driven by a king, the leader. They're the greatest. But in my kingdom, it's upside down. The one that is the greatest servant among you is the greatest of them all. The greatest servant. Well, my service to the kingdom of God demands that I'm empowered by his spirit to do it. So Jesus hasn't done any ministry or service without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The disciples are not gonna do any ministry or service without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can even go into the Old Testament and unless the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they couldn't do certain things. I think it's in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I don't have it in there, but Peter gives a recount and he says, it was Jesus who was uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit that went around healing all kinds of diseases. Does anybody in here, would you rather lay hands on someone and see them recover instead of just all the time having to say, I'll be praying for you? Anybody in here desire that? I mean, I think in 2020, we've, that's a foregone conclusion. 
Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, only quoting, tell them I pray for them. I'm only quoting the Bible, by the way. I didn't make that up. I'm only quoting the Bible, Matthew chapter 18, Mark chapter 16. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These works that I've done, you will do, and even greater works. Uh, it's in the Bible. The sick, see them recover. Does not happen without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because you're trying to do a spiritual assignment with natural ability. He will not force you depending on the Holy Spirit. He's the person in the power of the Holy Spirit. He will not force you uh, uh, to receive him. You have to yield to him and uh, to the Holy Spirit and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit subsequent act. And then uh, there will be evidence. So Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, we've all seen this. Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit is giving them the words to say, speaking through them, but they are the ones opening their mouths and speaking. The Holy Spirit did not come upon them and start moving their lips and their tongue and their vocal cords around and say, do this, do this, do this. They yielded to it, and together, the Holy Spirit and the person began to speak in other tongues. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Everything else that happens in that verse, none of it happened again. There's no more rushing wind, no more mighty sound. And this is the danger with the supernatural. And this is the danger with the spirit realm is we try to replicate in the natural realm everything that happened the last time and think that we can demand that the Holy Spirit start doing certain things. And that is unscriptural, unbiblical, and you cannot do it. But then they're like, well, let's, let's, where, where's the rushing sound? Where, where's the mighty wind? Where, where, where's the people? Where's the band? Where's the team? Where's the sign? Where, where's the stuff? And now people become dependent on natural means rather than spiritual means. Yielding to the Holy Spirit and dictating what the Holy Spirit does are two separate things. Two separate things. And you never see again where they go back and say, man, that was, wasn't that wonderful day of Pentecost? Wasn't that just so awesome how that all, let, let, let's, let's, let's do that again. You know, anybody want to come over for a Bible study? Anybody want to come over? Well, let's have that rushing mighty wind prayer meeting. Invite them. Facebook, send out an Instagram invite or whatever you do. Rushing mighty wind meeting. No, because that didn't change anybody, but the tongues sure did because they spoke in tongues. By the way, they sounded so ridiculous. The people down on the street thought they were drunk. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody ever seen anybody drunk? Anybody ever been? Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's, why, that's where we lose people. Because now you're gonna, you, you want the Holy Spirit to work with your agenda. You, want the whole, you don't want the Holy Spirit to in, inconvenience you. Holy Spirit, uh, I got about 30 minutes, uh, 2 o'clock. We good? I put you on my calendar. I put you on my schedule. All right, Holy Spirit, we got, it's, it's 11.59. You got one more minute, 12 o'clock. I'm out. Nope. They went and waited. They didn't know there was a day of Pentecost. They don't have the book. They don't have the Bible that we have. We do this for 50 days, 50 days after Jesus died. No, he just said, go and wait, Terry. And then the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
you'll be empowered. They went and they followed the instructions that God had. Look at this in Acts chapter 5. And just to throw it in there, 3,000 people came into the kingdom on the day of Pentecost with a bunch of drunk-looking people talking in another language. All the stuff that we don't want to happen in our churches today, 3,000 came in on the first day. But now we want to dictate our services because people will feel uncomfortable. Okay? Acts chapter 5 in verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. You don't bring sick people to people that you don't think can do anything about it. There was something about their life that stood out, something that identified them, something that was evident that says, you got something I need. And I'm telling you right now, if the church of the living God would get the power of the Holy Spirit and a connection with the person of the Holy Spirit, people will come running to you and we won't have to have uh, uh, church growth seminars and how are we going to get people in and how are we going to invite them and what's the next great marketing strategy. They will be running us down, tearing our doors off. Not enough seats in the building. What do you have that I need? No wonder the devil wants to hide the Holy Spirit and put him in a back corner and even even confuse who he is in the last days. If we ever walk into this building on a Sunday morning without a demand and a reliance on the Holy Spirit, we might as well shut the doors down, tell them to go to another dead church. This is not an institution that we walk into to check off our box for the week. This this, this is not an institution that we come to so I can just have my time with Jesus and then give me the rest of my week and give me the rest of my life. This is not a scheduled event. We are the church of the living God, and we ought to be empowered and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And we are nothing without him. Nothing. And you can't have one without the other. Oh, God, cause our church to grow. Oh, God, uh, we want to see the sick healed. But then we don't listen to the Holy Spirit when he says, I ask you to forgive her. Yeah, because the same Holy Spirit that will help you raise up the dead will also help you turn your dead heart back to life again. Before the Holy Spirit works on your ability, he'll work on your attitude. We always want the Holy Spirit to start working through us to change everybody else. And then he starts picking out the stuff wrong with us. And we say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Blowing past red flags. Told you not to look at that. Told you not to look at that. Told you to get accountability. Told you to surround yourself with people. Told you to develop a relationship. Here we are falling into sin. He will keep you out of trouble. The Holy Spirit is is a genius. And if you listen to him, you'll look smart. He sure will. Y'all doing okay? Acts chapter 10, verse 44. We need the Holy Spirit, guys. People always ask me, what kind of church are y'all? I know what they're asking. Do y'all talk in tongues? (laughs) I know where this is going. Are y'all a spirit-filled church? Are y'all one of those spirit-filled churches? I know what they're asking. I I just, I blow right past the point, and they just like, whoa, that's not what I meant. I mean, I just, you know, what, you know, what, what do y'all preach? We preach the Bible. I mean, what do we preach? It's sad that we've gotten to the point we have to ask that. No emails up here, guys. All that red, that's just scriptures. 
I usually just have like one or two passages, so Andre and Aaron were freaking out. He actually counted, what'd you say, 33? 33 verses today? I've already skipped like 10 of them. Just trying to wind this down for you guys. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit upon, uh, fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. It's a gift. Why would you want to turn away a gift that God has for you? It's a gift. Gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, can anyone forbid water? that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit. Look at this, just as we have. What's he referring to? Acts chapter two. The same thing that happened to us back there, guys, is happening right here. You remember that day, Acts chapter two? Remember how awesome that was? That's happening right here. Now the Holy Spirit's empowered them, come upon them. They're praying in other tongues. He commanded them to be baptized. In Acts chapter 11, verse 15, he's given a recount of this now. Peter is, and he's speaking. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Apparently, this was a regular occurrence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. Then I remembered, he says, the word of the Lord. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit will do. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gifts as he gave us where we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent. They glorified God, saying, God has also granted uh, to the Gentiles repentance to life. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. You know, there's regions of our very country that have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Sometimes I take that for granted because I grew up around it, very familiar with it, the good and the bad, mind you, and I still run with it. Nothing that I have seen in my day has deterred me and said, oh, that's not of God. I've seen stuff that isn't of God, but I've also seen the power of God operate in my life to the degree that I can say, you know what, if they want to operate in flesh, that's fine, but I'm going to operate according to the word under the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to bear results in my life. Every believer needs to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be speaking in other tongues. Every believer, whether you've heard about it or not. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism, baptism with water, just as Jesus spoke about. But Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it wasn't the action, but it was the motivation that God was trying to get to. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied and there were about 12 men in all. Worship team, if you'd come. What am I getting at today? I'm getting at the fact that There is a need for the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer that walks this planet. 
God has so much for you. God wants to do so much with you. God wants to do so much through you. But in your own natural ability, some of you have been getting worn out. Some of you have quit because you didn't rely on the Holy Spirit. You relied on your own ability and it didn't work out and you prayed and you gave and you did all the churchy little things that you're supposed to do, but you never invited the Holy Spirit into the process. Today's the day to bring him back into the process and say, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm wearing myself out. I'm wearing my family out. I'm wearing my marriage out. I'm wearing my employees out. I'm wearing my mind out. I'm wearing my body out. Some of you are just plumb getting wore out. And the Holy Spirit's been saying, just let me in. Let me work with you. Let me work through you. There may be those that you're like this group in Acts chapter 19. Never heard of it. It's a great place to start. Great time to start. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Stand up with me if you would. I'm going to ask that no one leave. I'm going to ask that if you're not participating, that you're praying for those that need to respond. We're actually all participants all the time, whether you're responding or not. He's a good God. He's a good Father. He's done more than just send his son, Jesus, to die for you so that you can receive new life in him, receive salvation, one day go to heaven to be with him. He's done more than that for you. He said, while you remain in the earth, I want you to produce the fruit of my kingdom. I want you to be on a spiritual assignment from heaven but you need my spirit you need my spirit the third person of the trinity the father said you need the spirit Jesus said you need the spirit thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today we trust you received a word from God If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.